This podcast is brought to you by Big Heads Media Podcasts. For more great podcasts, go to bigheadsmedia.com. Hello and welcome to 15 Minutes of Football podcast. I'm Johnny Bentley, your host. It's been a crazy, crazy, crazy day of football in you. It's been a crazy few days, actually, in the footballing world. And Jordan's here, Mr. Charisma himself. He's here, but he's cringing at the American accent attempt. Yeah, for, for those of you... I'm sure people may have just heard. For and those of you... Not, then they're lucky, aren't they? Well, they, yeah, they are. That, for, for, Jordan's referring to something that has gone in a pre-editing phase. Whether or not that ed- makes the final cut is another thing. But what happened was our wonderful, one of our wonderful gods of media, Mark Phillips, was our used to introduce our podcast as the Big Heads Media Podcast. We found that the sound lengths and sound wavelengths were all over the place. So naturally, I thought it was best to mimic that American accent in the only in the About best the way soccer. I knew how. About the soccer. Beautiful, beautiful game. Okay. I love the soccer. I think it's beautiful. So, you know, that was, if anyone was, was wondering that. Johnson? No, that was George Bush. So, oh, what yeah, we want okay. to, anyway, enough, enough political rhetoric, wonder of impressions. We're going to go straight into the football or soccer, as the Americans call it sometimes. It's been a big and day, hasn't it? It has been a big day. This is, we're, we're recording this on the day that Frank Lampard's lost his job, and that will be the first of our four 15-minute topics that we're going to cover. Quick reminder. As to, yeah, quick reminder and roadmap as to where this podcast goes. 15 minutes of football, four topics discussed in 15 minutes or less. First one of those, looking at whether Frank Lampard was sacked too harshly. Second of which, for a nice contrast, to look at how Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has turned the tables on some of his critics. And I'm leading with a question. Is Ole Gunnar Solskjaer the most unfairly treated manager in the Premier League. Then we go on to our third topic, club analysis. Look at Leicester City having a wonderful season under Brendan Rodgers. We're going to look at the highs, the lows and the in-betweens of their season so far. Then we're going to finish with a European roundup. We're going to have a particular focus on La Liga, where Atletico Madrid are storming the top Spanish division. Another win to this weekend and an absolutely fantastic goal from Luis Suarez as well in that win keeps them and their title successes very much alive. But let's go to the first 15 minutes and we're going to look at Frank Lampard. And it's been quite an astonishing day. And I'm just going to, I mean, we, neither of us are Chelsea fans, neither of us are Frank Lampard sympathisers in any way. But what I would say is that I was a bit shocked when this announcement came out because they just beat, beat Luton Town 3-1 in the FA Cup. He changed a formation that seemed to suit Timo Werner a little better. It was almost an auxiliary auxiliary 4-4-2. Timo Werner just off um, Tammy Abraham. A more natural position than he has been playing. Yeah, and it seemed to work. He didn't score. He missed a penalty, but he did have... He played well and he was heavily involved in most of the play. And he did win the penalty that he missed as well. Yeah, so he was heavily involved and he was doing quite well. And Chelsea had just won the game. So there, there is that, there is that what, um, you know, the con- general consensus in that game was that they won, they played quite well. Yes, they played Luton, but there was something to maybe build upon for yeah. the coming weeks. There was some potential there, wasn't there, with the fact that he had changed it up a little bit and there was potential for, for something, as you say, something to build on in the, the coming games. And then he's sacked. 
Next day, Frank Lampard's lost his job. Yeah. Well, I mean, you say you're surprised, but with Chelsea, are you that surprised? Oh, no, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised. I don't know. Ah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, no. <laughs> right. And I'm going to say, I'm going to say the two, the two, there's surprise and then there's surprise, which I could have used a different word. That would have been far easier. But what I mean by that is you're right. Chelsea, Roman Abramovich, most ruthless owner in the top flight at the moment, has a history of being very harsh to managers. Carlo Ancelotti lost his job ridiculously. After finishing second in the league. <laughs> yeah. There's been, I mean, every single manager at the helm at Chelsea knows that if they fall apart ever so slightly, they will lose their job. So in that which sense, I'm surprised. It's I'm not, not surprised. Really that big a surprise. Yeah. yeah. The surprise, the surprising element was, and it's and it's this, it's almost an emotional. I'm surprised because you've you've touched on this in our pre, in our notes for the show that Slavon Bilic lost his job in similar circumstances. Went to the Etihad, got a draw. Everyone's praising them. That was even more shocking. To be fair. Yeah. And no, I, if, I think that was more of a shock. Yeah, and then he loses his job. And I just don't like it because what it means is that Frank Lampard's basically lost his job before he's even played the Luton game. If they won 7-0 and Werner got all seven, he'd have still lost his job because it was already yeah. almost set in stone. Um, so it's one of those, really. I didn't, I'm, surpri- I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised in the sense that... In the sense <laughs> You're really that, hammering that home, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not surprised because it's Chelsea, but I am surprised in the manner that they've done it. It's a club legend. He's... You know, well respected by many people in the game. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be sacked, but it does mean there should be a bit more grace with the sacking. And the fact yeah. that they've done it after this game suggests, okay, you're going to play Luton in the cup. You might make a tactical change. Werner might score seven goals against Luton, but hey, your job, you're still gone. That I'm a bit disappointed with. Yeah, and it's it's kind of been a bit of a whirlwind of a, a couple of months, hasn't it, for Frank Lampard? Because mm. you look at the end of November, uh, mm. they were flying, weren't they? They were right near the top of the table and people were talking about them as, as genuinely title contenders. And then they came to Goodison Park. They lost, mm. which I was very happy about, obviously. Mm. They lost. And since then, it's just been a downward spiral. And there has been a lot of bad results. And the fans have just started to, to question Lampard a little bit more over the last couple yeah. of weeks. And that's why I don't think it's that big a surprise, generally speaking. But you're right. I do agree that I don't. I'm not a big fan of of basically making the decision before they play a match. Yeah, just for clarity on my two surprises, I've worked out the best way for my second <laughs> surprise is to say that I'm surprised at the lack of decency that they've done with this decision because I think he should have gone after Leicester. If they were going to do it, then I think yeah. he should have gone after Leicester. And to be honest, this is what I also feel, as I've got him up in the notes that, that we're both looking at right now, they play... Four of the uh, bottom eight, the next five games. Uh, Wolves, Burnley, Sheffield United and Newcastle. A good chance to build momentum or to sink into the hole even further and get the sack. Pretty much fairly. But they are they are some nice fixtures, you would say. And he's changed the tactics a little bit against Luton, which shows that he's open to mixing it up slightly from what he was doing, predominantly a 4-3-3 that wasn't working. And... These games are games where you can build that momentum again and go on a run and, and see where you go. Conversely, you look at that now and it's a great opportunity for the new manager, possibly Thomas Tuchel, to come in and get off to yeah, a flying start. The, the supposed front runner, isn't he? Mm. But, I, think, I think that's a good way to look at it, really. And that's yeah. probably the way that Abramovich will look at it, is that mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for a new manager to come in 
and and make a difference. And at the end of the day, if they do go on a bit of a run and get a few wins on the back to back, then they'll be right up there again. Absolutely. I mean, we're. I mean, like I, I've, I've emphasised this a few times. We aren't Frank Lampard sympathisers, and there were quite a few in the media. And I do sort of break that down a little bit to the idea of a bit of English exceptionalism, because. I think many people in England, many people in the media were desperate to see an English coach succeeding at the, at the top level because suppose we were playing family fortunes now and I said to you... Uh, Gino 100... or Vernon? Uh, Vernon. Right. Vernon. Uh, who was uh, they said? Name 100... I can't do Vernon, K. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, no, I can't, can't. How about Donald Trump said? No, I'm only joking. No, we're, not, no. we're, not, we're not going there. But... Um, Suppose the survey said, name a British manager, 100%, the first thing that comes to your head, Steve Bruce, Sam Allardyce, Alan Pardew, that's the first thing, isn't it, that comes to yeah. your head when you think Absolutely. of an English manager. And there's no disrespect to their managers, but they're all bracketed in, in a certain way, aren't they? They're all... You they're expect all... Them to... <laughs> it's quite bad, actually, but the, the first word that I think of with, with that, kind of, uh, that kind of train of thought is Brexit. <laughs> the Brexit managers, as some people choose to put it. Well, yeah, I mean, it, for, for, for anyone who doesn't understand that turn of phrase, I think what you mean is a more, a less progressive, more systematic style of play. Yeah. And, and they're commonly associated with clubs in the bottom half of the Premier League or maybe in the Championship or, or not at the top jobs, I think, is what, what, the, what the idea is. Now, compare that. If you say, think of a German manager, the first one that comes to my head is Jurgen Klopp, elite manager. Yeah, Thomas Tuchel, German. Nangelsmann. Yep. I mean, Germany's, Germany's stacked full of If you ask uh, a BT pundit, you might say, well, passing I'd say, might say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, he might do. Uh, poor Steve McManaman. Uh, do your research, kids. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's other ones as well. I mean, Spain, you think Pep Guardiola. You might think Luis Enrique, national Spain national team manager. You know, uh, uh, Rafa Benitez. Okay. He's certainly had his period. He's a good what? example, actually, isn't he? Yeah. Because he, he's very systematic in his play style, but... But he's, he's, had, a, he's had a chance at the top jobs, hasn't he? He's, he's he managed has, Real yeah, Madrid, managed Chelsea... Valencia, Liverpool, etc. Italy, Ancelotti, Conte, Allegri. These are all high-profile managers, and I think that's the why. Just to that, just to bring it all to a close and not go off on a tangent. That's why I think many people were willing to cut Lampard some slack because he was a British manager, manager, an English manager, even more rare. Because Rodgers, you could argue, has had that opportunity, but he was an English manager at a big club. Very doesn't happen very often at all. Scott got a heavily backed in the summer. I think a lot of people wanted him to do well. Yeah, and I and think were... Chelsea fans wanted him to do well as well, given how well he, how well he Club played. Club legend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's why I think there is a bit of that people don't want Frank Lampard to fail kind of thing. And yeah. that's been evident throughout the whole thing. And if we're looking at this objectively and saying, if this was just a random manager... I mean, for example, I really like Maurizio Zari, Billy, as you well know, and he didn't like get the, the love of the Chelsea fans. He finished in his first season, he, in his only season at Chelsea, he finished third, won the Europa League, lost the Carabao Cup final on penalties to Man City. He was kicked out. He was sacked. No one really batted an eyelid. Everyone goes, oh yeah, but Frank Lampard's yeah. coming in now. Yeah. But that was a brilliant season. And, the, and people are easy, quick to point out, oh yeah, but some of the football was terrible. By the way, some of the football was brilliant. 
some of the moves they put together, some of the football they played sometimes, in some of those yeah, games. Sometimes, yeah. One just thing a, I'd, I'd say about that as well is Frank Lampard's football hasn't been <laughs> particularly entertaining. Has it's it? been mixed, hasn't it? Some games you've looked and you thought they've been really good, and some games you've looked and they've been clueless. And yeah, I think yeah. that's one of the games. You know, one of the reasons I think that he might have been sacked. Recent performances the past four or five weeks have been pretty lifeless. They collapsed against Arsenal, collapsed against Man City, collapsed against Leicester, and they didn't look like they had a real plan in any had, of those games. No, they had no fight and no desire against Leicester in particular. I think that was the moment where you watched it and you, you kind of started to think there's warning signs that Lampard's time could be up. And you look at all those teams and you think Arsenal, Man City and Leicester, they could be hard games for anyone. But it's the yep. lack of fight, isn't it? If they lose 2-1-2-1-2-1, but you say, oh, they were unlucky in all those games, you think, well, maybe on another day that they, yeah. could, they could get something. But it was lifeless, it was lethargic, naive at times, and it was worrying, it was really worrying. And I think that's one of the reasons, and that brings up claims, has he lost the dressing room? Has he lost certain players in the squad? I think he had. I noted after the Arsenal game that he was throwing the players under the bus. Then they lost to Man yep. City about less than a week later in a similarly poor fashion. And suddenly he's taking all the blame. It's as though they think, well, I've tried to criticise them all. That hasn't worked, so I'll take the blame now. And he's chopping and changing with his approach to how to deal with things. And also, as, you, as, as we both know, as any football fan knows, when you throw the players under the bus, it generally doesn't end too well. And no. he'd only coached some of these players for, a, for three or four months. He'd only been yeah. the manager. So to and throw I them under some the bus of that, then, Some of that links to his lack of experience as well and yeah. it was maybe even even at the time where he got hired people were questioning whether it was too soon and he, he mm. did almost get thrown in at the deep end yeah and he did so well last season mm. in in that in those circumstances that yeah it, it's just maybe been too much this season too soon well i think with, that links perfectly as well perfect yeah spent over 200 million in the summer massive overhaul and so many players, so little time to adjust, especially with the smaller preseason. A, a crazy fixture list. Many people coming in were injured. They hadn't adapted to the league. I mean, Kai Havertz, who was brought in for the biggest money, has actually had long COVID. So yeah. they've got to bear some of this in mind. But would you attribute maybe, we say they spent 200 million, they spent about 140 million on Vern and Havertz, and they've been the two probably biggest disappointments thus far in terms well, of I signings. I think that's a massive reason mm. why Abramovich has pulled the trigger on Lampard at this yeah. point. And I think that he wants to see a bigger return on his investment. And he thinks mm. that a new manager, maybe even a German manager, we don't know, might get a might get well, we a, a better we return do. out of those players. Yeah, we're pretty we confident, aren't we? We're pretty, we're pretty confident, confident it's too cool, but that's for another another episode where yeah, it's that'll be on confirmed. next week's once it's yeah. been announced. Yeah, I think it, it is you're right. I think it is I agree. So with I, you. But I think that, that that could be a reason that he's he's maybe pulled the trigger, as I say, because he, he wants to see a, a bigger return on his investment in these players and he's he's not seeing it under Lampard. Yeah. I would yeah. question that recruitment, though, particularly, mm. like Ver, we've said before, Werner's not really been playing his natural position, which is mm. maybe the second striker in yeah. a, a two-man attack. He's been playing in a similar position to Pulisic, mm. when Pulisic was one of the best players last year, and mm. then he's got Havertz, who wants to drift in off the right, the same... Mm. Point as ZH. Mm. It's almost like they've, they've they've signed good players, but not players that fit a balanced system. Yeah, no, I'd agree. I think I think in his defence, slightly he's struggled. As I say, there's been a lot of injuries. Yeah, Kurt Havertz as well had long COVID. 
Ziyech has been one of the best of the recruits, but he's half the time he's been injured. Yeah. So it's difficult. It is difficult. But you're right. I think at this point, you'd expect to see Havertz and Werner looking like being the focal point of that Chelsea attack. And to be honest, they haven't really been doing that uh, thus far. They've sort of gone into the peripheries a little bit. I mean, Tammy Abraham being the leading striker. Yeah, he's been playing well. But I I honestly don't think that's what Abramovich expected when he signed Werner. So it's a difficult one. And almost, I think Julian Laurent said, the, the French journalist, he said, the 200 million plus spend was a poison chalice for an inexperienced manager. And I think he's yeah. absolutely spot on. I think that's, that's a very, really good way of summing it up, isn't it? Yeah. And also, we have to say that he's got the lowest points return, 1.69, of any Chelsea manager under the Abramovich era. So yeah. when we look at facts, playing facts in front of our very eyes, it, it's quite clear that there was re- good reason to get rid of him. Yeah. There even, was. Though, even though it's harsh. And the argument that he was serving his apprenticeship, he wasn't the finished article. Chelsea knew that when they got him, he was very inexperienced. You do have to bear that in, into account as well. You've got to look at them and think, well, surely there should be a bit more understanding on that level. But at the same yeah. time, they are they, they, this is how they operate. This is, this is yeah. what they want. And we've seen it. I mean, Guardiola had worked with the youth team uh, at Barcelona before he got the Barcelona job. Barcelona was his first big job. He was brilliant. We've seen it work. Is this just a case where it hasn't? Oh, uh, I think it has worked, though. It, if you ask at the end of last season, it, it had worked. And it's just unfortunate for Lampard that it, I just think it's maybe too big a job too soon. Would you have sacked him? Yeah. Because yeah. I think, and I think one, one last thing that I'm going to point out is the fact that we're only halfway through the season and it is mm. still so open. Yeah. And as I, I've, I've also alluded to before, if they get a few wins on the bounce, they can get right back up there again. And I think that's part of Abramovich's decision. Okay, because a brief... If a new manager comes in, does well, he could challenge. Briefly, if two, Thomas Tuchel, we think, is going to take charge, if he does take charge for the remainder of the season, mm-hmm. do you think he has a better chance of getting them to fourth than Lampard would have done? Well, I don't think that Lampard would have, so yes. Okay, very good. So, uh, harsh decision, possibly a fair decision. Yeah, I think that's where that's where we're at with that. Um, and just as a, as, a, as a lasting thought on that, I want no response to this. It's just to linger in the air. Uh, someone suggested the Celtic job for Lampard, and I think that's quite a good shout. I must admit, I if maybe the does go. Question of sport is 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 Besky. No, I, don't, I think <laughs> it, I think it's beyond that. To be fair, I mean, second topic now. I'm going to yeah. a more. Upbeat topic for me. I, I'm a big champion of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Is is one of the reasons actually as a Burnley fan, I don't really care who wins the league in many seasons, but I'll pick I'll pick the team, you know, I usually pick a team at the start that I, that I quite like and I'd like to see them do well. And for me, it's Manchester United for one of the first times in my life. Obviously, I usually champion the underdog, but Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for me is the underdog. And my question, is he the most disrespected manager in the top flight? I think he is. And there's various reasons for that. I'm going to go through a few of them now. I'm going to go, go through on. three, and I'm going to ask for your opinion. Right, on, try first, you try and convince me because I'm not convinced. First one, I think a lot of people look at his managerial CV and say it didn't merit the job, and they'd probably be right because they would be right. Would be right. He's managed for about ten years now. Managed the Man United reserves, Mulder, Cardiff, and then Mulder again. So oh, to Cardiff go from relegated, that, didn't he? So to go, uh, uh, yeah, but to go from that to Manchester United is a very big step. 
Um, So that's one reason why there's a bit of a discrimination towards Solskjaer and his efforts. Second reason, people only think, and I think this is probably fair, people have a a, a dislike towards him because they feel he only got the job because he was an ex-player for Man United, an ex-club legend. And there's a lot of those about, in fairness, there's a lot of ex-club legends. And both of these have applied to Lampard as well at this point. Yeah, of sure, of course, yeah. And Lamp- but the reason why I think Lampard got a little bit more respect, if you want to, if you want to call it that, was because of that English exceptionalism thing that we talk yeah. about. I do think that yeah. is true. And also, I think he was quite—you uh, always got a sense with Lampard. I think that he could be quite firm in his interviews. He didn't take rubbish, and he was quite honest and open. In his, in his press match, in his press conferences, I do feel that you got that as well as the except English exceptionalism. I do think you got that, and this links to my third point. Mm-hmm. I don't think his personality is endorsed by the media. The media in in Britain and many fans like they like lots and lots of passion, angry, dominating uh, sound bites. You got Jurgen Klopp, uh, Jose Mourinho. Uh, Ar- I was going to say Arteta to a point is like that. You know, he, he, yeah. he's quite, he's quite. I think he's got it in him. He's definitely yeah, got it in him. He does. He's got that. And I mean, if personality. we, we, th- we can think back to even Sir Alex Ferguson. He, he had it, didn't he? Yeah. I mean, you can go yeah. through the Premier League. Lots of, lots of the managers have it. And you know, uh, Antonio Conte from before. You know, he's at touchline antics. Yeah. People loved it. And with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it's quite subdued. He's quite happy. He doesn't like to get involved in mind games too much. He just gets on with his job. He never throws his players under the bus. He often he often gives quite understated interviews. He never he never reaches the big headlines with the things that he says. His touchline antics are very subdued. So naturally, a lot of people are like, "Well, you know, he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit my image for Man United manager." And I think that people yeah. think that you, you, Jose Mourinho, Louis Van Gaal, Sir Alex Ferguson, people like that. I'm, I'm leaving out David Moyes really there, but. Well, you know, like you mentioned David Moyes. He was yeah. the other one that I think is the unfairly treated one. But maybe that's for another yeah. week. No, he I think that, yeah. that I was going to suggest. It's fair. It's true. But I think he's getting his plaudits this year with West Ham. I do think he is a little bit. And uh, I, I, I do. Be, I think he's doing a great job there. I think some of the abuse Solskjaer has got has been ridiculous. I mean, no, I do look, agree. Actually, I do there was agree. a lot of abuse he was getting in December when he was struggling. I think they got out of the Champions League. Arteta was struggling. Lampard had just lost a few games. Solskjaer's gone out of the Champions League. It's only Solskjaer that's getting the full force of some of the media's backlash. Say, what? United can't go out to the Champions League. This is Manchester United, the old adage, that blah, blah, blah. And he was taking a lot of criticism. He's done a phenomenal job. He really has. And I actually think you've touched on it with Lampard, who had no managerial experience. Solskjaer hadn't got the top-level managerial experience. But you feel like those years of 10 years or so that he's been doing, it's probably giving him a few tips and tricks it, it for his man management. Yeah, it certainly adds a little bit more. And, and as I mentioned, he, he's been through that kind of relegation scrap with uh, Cardiff. Mm. And I think that's something that will have benefited him as well, because uh, it, it's a better experience to do that and go through those, those difficult times with, with uh, a, quite a big club, especially Cardiff uh, at the time. Uh, and I think that, Almost having having that extra weight and responsibility of the fans is something that's going to benefit him in the long run. It's something that has benefited him already. We said he learned a lot from his Cardiff experience. He said he learned quite a bit as well from his time at Mulder. So again, these small yeah. things, although they're not on the same level as Manchester United, again, the CV didn't necessarily warrant the job. I agree with all of those comments, but it, it shouldn't 
let you discriminate from the job that he's doing. You know, you shouldn't. It's yeah. almost like a classism thing because he hasn't managed at this club or that club because he doesn't have the persona of a Mourinho, a Klopp, a Guardiola because he doesn't have that. He shouldn't be held in the same esteem. And no, he shouldn't be held in the same esteem as those elite manager names. But while he's doing a good job, we should we should credit that job that he's no, doing. We shouldn't yeah. be looking for him to fail. You watch now, if Manchester United lose two games in a row, the same names will come out and they'll go, well, I told you. I told you so. <laughs> doing a terrible job. I know it. I know I it. And reading out my tweets. And I just... <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, but no, I'm going to I'll make a few points what I've, what I've really liked. I'll, you know, Ask for your thoughts on these as well. And it's something I've said to you a few times, actually. For me, Manchester United entered this season after the transfer window and everyone said, they, they have a good 11, but where's the depth? And I think that's what, what, what we saw. People looked at McTominay. Some people looked at Fred. Not you. I know you've made your comments on Fred. And they said... Fred No, but they said, oh, you know, Manchester... Manchester United had just finished the, the previous season playing Matic and Pogba in most of the games as a double pivot, Fernandez in front. Fred and, Fred and McTomb and I barely played, really, in that season restart when Fernandez was in and they finished last season, they did really well. So people were saying, well, they need reinforcements. They didn't get them. So Solskjaer's now reintegrated them back in. And I think they've had a really good season, those two, actually, in particular. They've developed more and more, particularly McTomb and I. Ooh. He's someone that's really impressed me this season. And it, I, and you, I, I would go as far as saying that he's a world-class centre midfielder. He's he's a big game player. Yeah, genuinely, he's he's my, such a big for, game for the podcast player. listeners. My eyes nearly popped out of my head. It's like <laughs> the Britain's Got Talent guy when he was doing that act. No, um, I, I'm wow. a massive McTominay fan. Can I just I say? I, I like him, and I was just be, I was just saying how well Solskjaer's done to develop him on and give him the opportunities that he has. But in my opinion, world class is top five in the world in a position. Are you? Is that your definition of world class, or are you just using? That's not it my definition. Sparingly? That would be my definition of elite. But I, I just think it's his big game performances that is the reason that I say that. Because, and I mean, we saw it against Liverpool. He he, he does the simple things so well. He reminds me a little bit of Roy Keane. That's one thing that I'll say. That's his job. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I, I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to, not going to jump into that camp with you. I, I must say, but um, I do think he's come on a long way, and I, I think, and I think that's that's credit to Solskjaer mm. is what what I, my point was with that was. Well, the same thing. Well, sorry, Jordan. The same thing with Fred. You you you've said to me many times, but he did a really good. He had a really good career at Shakhtar. And you know, before well, he, Manchester United, at Shakhtar, but, he was the number six, and he he was. It, I think they got to the, the quarters or the semis of the well, the Champions League with him in that position. No, no, I know, I know. I'm not discrediting that, but what I'm saying is, when he came to the Premier League under Jose Mourinho, after a few months, Mourinho had had enough. He wasn't playing him anymore. Yeah. I think he just he'd, he'd lost. The, and then uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, not having the luxury to replace Fred because the club spent fifty three million pounds on him, yeah. has found a way to integrate him back in, and now. That double pivot, Fred and McTominay, sometimes Pogba, who... Now, I've got to jump... You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go in now with Pogba. What he's done with Pogba has been marvellous. Absolutely marvellous. Yeah. Because Jose Mourinho had exiled him. And Mino Raiola's recent comments, under a lot of managers, would have meant the end for Pogba's United career. Because they say, whoa, we, he's undermining my managerial career. Well, Solskjaer barely said two words on that. He just said, you know, I, I, I don't listen to agents' comments. Uh, yeah. He's dropped Pogba in a number of games, shown that they can survive without him, with Pogba, with McTominay and with Matic. And with, with Bruno Fred. as the focal point. Yep, sure. 
And then he started to bring him in slowly again. And suddenly, slowly but surely, he's finding a way to get the best out of Pogba in that position. Yeah. And, and Pogba has been one really of the best job. players on the pitch in every game he's played recently as well. Yeah. He got the winner against Burnley, didn't he? Quite late he on. He did. He, he was really pulling the strings against Liverpool in the Cup, which was yesterday for anyone who's listening now. Yeah. He, yeah, I, I've been really impressed with how Pogba's played and as you say it's testament to Oli that he's doing that I do think the one caveat with that though I still think Pogba will leave in summer I do too I also do too and I think because there's a lot of summer's like if Oli got a social has gone to him and said look we can we can play without yeah. you but you know the Euros are in the, the Euros are in the summer if you want to you know if you want to leave play as well as you can let's win as a title and Pogba wants to win things he wants yeah. to win things yeah, he's a absolutely. winner I think so and, and and to add to that, I think that's also it's going to benefit Solskjaer as well, and it's going to benefit mm. Man United mm. because they're going to get more money if he's playing well. At the end of the day, mm. uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. And other other people I'd like to touch on there: Brandon Williams has developed and come through under under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Luke Shaw, Alex Tellers came in, and I think many people would have just gone with Tellers over Shaw, to be honest. Yeah. But Solskjaer's almost used. Tellez as the carrot is to say well Luke if yeah. you don't improve this guy's taking your You've place this good left back behind you but exactly. he's really responded to that hasn't he it would have been he... interesting how many would have just gone with Tellez and then put Shaw to the back well I was I, think... I was actually questioning why he wasn't starting Tellez yeah. because we've seen Luke Shaw for the past couple of seasons he's not mm. been that great people have no. accused him of being overweight yeah. But this season, he's come on leaps and bounds. And I would go as far as saying that I would start him at the Euros for England. Oh, I agree. Easily. 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 He could have been my left-back of the season, you know. If we count Cancelo as a right-back who's playing at left-back, he would probably be my left-back so of the far, season. No, so far, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, Aaron Questwell has been good as well. but Yeah, uh, and Justin, who can play on both sides for Leicester. We'll talk about them in a second. Uh, yeah. But but also, just to, again, I can, I can wax lyrical about what he's done with, with the players and so on. But one thing that's also good, and we touched on this a bit, he's never th- he hasn't thrown his players under the bus. And that's been so key because these players have underperformed. From, they basically down tools under Mourinho at the end because they'd had enough of him constantly yeah. berating them. There's arguments that they did a little bit for Louis van Gaal as well. A little bit. I think they didn't quite have the same level of player as Mourinho, but there are arguments that he'd had some internal risk with players when he was at the club too. Also, two quite strong characters, Van Gaal and Mourinho. So, there's been a few times where Solskjaer could have done it. There are a few performances. I remember when they lost 2-0 to a relegator Cardiff at Old Trafford in his first season. Awful performance. Right at the end. Not good. Didn't do it because it was the end of the season. There were performances 2-0 to Burnley at Old Trafford. Awful. Yeah. And he, he, he didn't throw them under the bus again. And then they went on a ridiculous unbeaten run that season. Went out of the Champions League quite poorly after being in a position where you thought qualification was almost a certainty when they went out to, to Leipzig. Terrible performance, mm-hmm. went three down. Didn't throw them under the bus. And then, of course, the 6-1 at Old Trafford where they lost to Tottenham, which was embarrassing on pretty much every level. Yeah. And he didn't throw them he, under the bus. He's almost working. taken back himself, isn't he? And yeah. He really does take the flak. And that's what, as I say, I think that's maybe something that he's, he's using his experience at Cardiff to, to help him with that. And you know what he said? One of the, I, I love him. He's like, he reminds me a bit of um, Martin, I think it's Martin Freeman from, who plays um, Bilbo Baggins from 
it does, doesn't it? It's true, isn't it? I know what you how mean. Can you, but it's how a road can you not chart. like? How can you not like Bilbo Baggins? No, I. Um, you see, I do. I, I'm with you that I, I like Ollie, which is a bit disconcerting because I've never liked Man United. I'm going on an adventure. When he says it at the start uh, yeah, of the Hobbit absolutely. film, absolutely. And do you I know what? See, I can see Saltshaw saying that. Yeah. Do you know what? And also, Saltshaw said one of the most epic quotes ever uh, in a Champions League game before that PSG game, where they did a remarkable win in Paris, in his first yeah. few months at the club, they said to him, oh, it's a mountain to climb, Ollie, and he went, mountains were made to be climbed. <laughs> I mean, that's just incredible. It got goosebumps. It got goosebumps. Uh, so. so my my one question to kind of finish off, though, yeah. is do you think Solskjaer is the long-term answer? Because I'm not convinced. Mountains were meant to be climbed, Jordan. Oh. Meant to be climbed. I'll tell you what, I think it's one of those. They've tried egotistical high-level elite managers in the past. It hasn't worked because uh, <laughs> I, I just don't think it's worked. Uh, you cannot argue with what Solskjaer's doing at the moment. And the funny thing is, they said, until Maurizio Pochettino went to PSG, that was always the carrot, that if Solskjaer lost was, James, yeah. Pochettino would come in. They said, oh, he'll win trophies. He didn't win anything at Tottenham. That's, quite, yeah. that's what amuses me. He didn't win anything at Tottenham. So give that's Mr. Fair. Solskjaer some respect. Let's see where it goes. He shouldn't win the league this year. Manchester City should. Manchester City yeah. should. So if if they finish second or third, I still think they've had a good season because who said who would have said they'd have finished second or third after two months of the season? Not me, not me. I didn't. And I, I remember at the start of the season, people were were saying the top three are decided: it's City, yeah. Liverpool, and Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So and then, and then they said Tottenham. Say, yeah. So I just say if if United finish in the top four, it's a success at the end of the day. Yeah, come on, this I, I mean, as a Burnley fan, I, I want I'm to still do not convinced in the long run that he's the right answer. But for now, he's doing a great job, and there's You've no. You've got talk sport, to... you. Not convinced he's right for the long. I'm not term. convinced in the long term. You I'm know not. what? You know what? Here's a contract. I'm slamming the table there. Write whatever numbers you want on it. Ollie's at the wheel, baby. No, I'm not doing that. Uh, that was no. that was a Rio Ferdinand jinx, and I'm not a United fan, yeah. so I I don't fear that. But I hope it, it does reminds well. me. Want... It does remind me a bit of when Alan Pardew was doing well at Newcastle. That one, yeah, eight-year yeah. contracts. Here we go. Yeah. I think he's yeah. just did, finished that now. Did, 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 did. Yeah, it's just a long one, wasn't it? He didn't that that just had disaster written all over it. Anyway, anyway we've done our fifteen minutes. Yeah, we have done our fifteen minutes. We've done we've done added time there. Um, going yeah, into a little bit of added time, a little bit of added time, Fergie time. time. Per- perfect. Really, really well, really well summarised there. And now. Going on to a bit of club analysis, which technically that was. No, that was more the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Defence Club. This one is more of a a look at Leicester and how well they've done under Brendan Rodgers this season. And just a look over their season, really, because we were just talking then. Everyone had the top threes and the top fours sorted. And no one really, again, like last season, no one really took Leicester too seriously. I mean, hate to blow my own trumpet, uh, but at the start of last season, when we had prediction time, I said Leicester had finished fifth. And I thought I was wrong. I thought they were going to finish fourth or third at one point last season. They did finish fifth. And you know, I looked at Brendan Rodgers. He was a very good manager. I looked at the squad. It was a very good squad. Jamie Vardy up front, guarantees goals. And I was, I was, you know, I was really, uh, I was really talking up the chances there a little bit. And this season, I thought they'd collapse a little bit. They had the Europa League yeah. to deal you with. Them for Everton. I did. Yeah, I, d- I thought I thought they would. In fact, I think you also had Southampton as the the, the top performing, maybe 
non-toxic. I, I, I don't think that was a bad show, to be honest. Um, no, I think they're doing I agree, well. But I'm just saying, as a as a point to make uh, over the predictions that we've made. Yeah, I did. I, I, I still stand by Southampton have done very well. Um, but what what we're talking about with with Leicester is they had a ridiculous injury list at the start of the season. I mean, let's just refer to one's notes here. And the start of the season, without Ricardo Pereira, who was a long-term absentee, without Chilwell at the start, who obviously went to Chelsea anyway, so that didn't matter. Ndidi, Colossus defensive midfielder, Madison. Yeah, Madison, one of the main creators, if not the main creator. Well, he is the main creator. Johnny Evans was suspended. Soyuncu's been in and out with, with, with injury troubles as yeah. well. So it's fair to say they had their squad decimated, really. And... A lot of their creation went through James Madison, who, when they used to play 4-2-3-1 or 4-4-1-1, he'd be the one just off the striker, and he was sort of the creative focal point. So without him, obviously you've got Thierry Le Mans, but he's more of the... He's not He's not a primary creator as Thierry Le Mans, is he? I think it's fair to say he's more... Keeps he's everything tidy. Yeah, but I think and, he's a better player as well. Yeah, but he, but but not the primary creator no, for no, the team. No, He's not lose an out-and-out number 10. Yeah. You lose him, you lose Pereira, who's a very creative kind of fullback as well. One of the best right backs in the division as yeah. well. Yeah, Chilwell as well could stretch teams. Yeah, I didn't have his best season final season for Leicester, but was someone who was still a very good left back who then left He's to a go solid to Chelsea. Left back. Yeah, a solid Evans. Left back. Evans at the start of the season, defender that holds or glues the sort of defense together. He's suspended. Well, so Evans and Soonshu as well. Yeah, so that's their, their solid centre backs from last season. And Didi. Without the coverage of Ndidi, as you say. Yeah. So you're looking at that and thinking, with Europe, trouble alert. I'm looking at that and thinking, trouble, trouble, trouble. Alarm bells are ringing. Yeah. But what Solskjaer did, what Solskjaer, <laughs> got, him on the, got him in my head, going on an adventure. <laughs> what Rogers oh. did, what Rogers did, he deviated from the 4-2-3-1. He went to a back three, back five, and essentially said, the defence isn't as strong as it was going to be with a full yep. 11. The attack's not as strong as it would be because we've not got Madison. So nope. we're going to soak up pressure. We're going to abandon the possession style that we had for the majority of the season before. And we're going to just counter-attack you. And Jamie Vard is a player who absolutely loves to play in that kind of he way, where he's start, he? feeding off the, uh, you know, the other team, push, start to play with a higher line, less to spring the counter, ball up the top for Vardy. He stretches that defence. Yeah. Well, Vardy and Harvey Barnes as well. And Harvey Barnes, well, lots of pace there. And they've, they've, they've had a lot of success with that. And also with the wing-backs, Castagna and James Justin. Well, that's one thing I wanted to point out. Yeah. The, the tremendous business they've done at fullback. They've got three of the best fullbacks in the league there. And funnily enough, they're all right-footed. Mm. Yet two of them can very comfortably play at left-back. And they have yeah. done all season. And that's been yeah. one thing that has really impressed me uh, this mm. season, has been the fullbacks. Particularly James Justin. Uh, I mean, he's signed for £6 million. What's he worth now? Because considering how well he's done this season. He's done really well, yeah. And they signed him actually the season before this yeah. season. So again, it was a bit like Soyuncu who they signed the season before Maguire left and then he came in yeah. and did a really good job. And then Fafana's come in and you like Fafana, don't you? I'm a big Fafana fan, yeah. I'm a big Fafana fan. Well, that's one thing I wanted to talk about was how good their recruitment has been over the, the previous years. Mm. And I mean, Fafana was 30 million, including some add-ons. But I think he's comfortably worth over 50 now. He's had a solid spur season. He's he's impressed next to Johnny Evans, which a lot of centre-backs seem to have done, which is maybe more a testament to Johnny Evans. But 
Fafana's been incredible. James Justin, £6 million. Wilfred Ndidi was in 2017, but £15 million. James Madison, £22 million. And Soonchu, £19 million. If you look at those now, what are they all worth? You're looking at over £200 million worth of talent, in my opinion. And I think that's just a a really good sign of how good their recruitment has been uh, over the long run. And that's why their team is looking so good at the minute. Yeah. No, I can't argue. It's, it's one of the one of the best ran clubs in England, if not the, oh, yes. the best. Absolutely. I, I mean, incredible talent and the, and the scouting system that they have is phenomenal. And I don't yeah. know why I said it like that. Um, I mean, but, they're just there, we're looking at players that are playing now, but we can also go further back and look at Kante, look at Jamie Vardy, yeah. look at Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. It's been a well-run club for years now, and they're really reaping the rewards of that. Kalechi and Nacho, Iosi Perez. Not quite. <laughs> they haven't got it quite right all the time, I don't think. But yeah, you're going to have some misses. Phenomenal success rate in the transfer market, as you've alluded to, with an array of names that have done really well for the Foxes. But... At the, at the centre of all of this, Brendan Rodgers, right now, decided to go against his general principles of a of a possession-based game in the 4-2-3-1 slash 4-3-3 slash 4 be a little bit more pragmatic. Just like they did in the title-winning season when yeah. uh, Claudio Ranieri basically did that for the whole season to a lot of, having a lot of success with it. But Rodgers abandoned his principles a little bit to go that way, did really well. It was almost as if, as I say, he looks at his his skeletal looking squad and thinks, well, we can't do what we've, we were doing for the majority of last season. I mean, the, the injuries cost them a Champions League spot, really. Let's be, let's be fair. They yeah. entered the season restart with a ridiculous injury list. And then they had some suspensions towards the end that didn't help the cause. And it just messed everything up for them. And they couldn't react in time at that point. They had some time off between, the two se- between uh, both seasons. They've thought about it. They've gone in this direction with the back three, five. Justin and Castagna's done really well. And now, mm-hmm. recently in December, when Ndidi comes back, Madison back in the fold, they've gone back to the 4-2-3-1 kind of system that they were operating yeah. with before. And Madison is you know, doing tremendously well, actually, He's coming at the back moment. into form, hasn't he? Um, I don't know if you saw it. He did an interview at the end of the game against Chelsea, and that was really, like, I really enjoyed it. Actually, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was authentic, and it was like it was like someone who hadn't been trained by media, the media bots. to oh, say. Yeah. he spoke honestly, the, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, I really liked it. And they've got they've got sort of two strings to the bow now, Leicester, which is always a really good thing. So when they play the smaller teams, you back them now with the likes of Madison, Tielemans. Barnes, Vardy and DD back behind so then the fullbacks can bomb on with confidence that the defence has a shield. Yeah. Well, They've got a way to thing, break teams down. That's one thing that people have almost kind of thought about Leicester is that they're a one-man team or Vardy's, Vardy's the only good player. Mr but, Adrian Durham on TalkSport said if Vardy yeah. left Leicester they'd be a yo-yo club. Mr. Adrian Durham also does do a lot of things which I think are designed for clickbait. I completely disagree <laughs> with what he said there. Maybe we should try that. Maybe we should try Scott that. Scott yeah. McTominay is world class. <laughs> yeah, I can do that, to be fair. I can get you. Yeah, you can't, your account will be suspended. Uh, but what I would say, though, is, yeah, I, they could take... Well, we're going to find out now the proof is in the pudding. I mean, right now you take Vardy yeah. out 
I don't think they have the replacement. They, and I'm not I'm not Danny Ings's agent. I'm on it. I'm going to be. I'm promising oh, you now. No, 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 no. I know, I know. And I've thought about this, but there's a lot of clubs Danny Ings would suit. Do you not think he'd be good at Leicester as an alternate as an alternate for Vardy? I think he'd be. I don't. Perfect. I. No. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah, no. Like would he be good? Yes. Yeah. But. I don't think that it's a good fit. I, I think there's a better fit. Would he be good? Yes, because he's a good striker. He'll score goals anywhere. Yeah, but uh, what I mean is right now, I mean, they lose Vardy. There isn't really that natural replacement well, at the moment. Well, but... yeah, and as you say, we're going to find out because he's injured. And mm, yeah. They've got a, a massive game. Some would say a, a, a title six-pointer mm. uh, away to Goodison Park on Wednesday. Away to Goodison Park? You mean yeah. away at Everton? At Goodison yeah. Park? Right, yeah. but they were, yeah, I... Yeah, sorry, right, away, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> away to Everton Park. I don't know what you said. Away to, away Goodison, to Goodison Park, Park. <laughs> the newly formed franchise club. Um, so, no, I think I think that's the thing, yeah. Right now, if, without Vardy, it, does, it doesn't look as, as good because Kelechi and Nacho doesn't have the same gravitas up front. It doesn't... Well, that's just a, perhaps the one criticism of the squad is that you lose Vardy, then you, mm. you lose potential. Having said that... Ian Acho has made a habit out of scoring against Everton, so I would not be surprised if he And they did win in the cup. Yeah. They did win in the cup against a very good Brentford side, 3-1, without yeah. Jamie Vardy. So yeah. yeah, and they've got yeah, I think they've got a really, really, really good strong setup there. And yeah, I think I think you, we've touched on quite a lot there. And the tactical savviness that, that Rogers has at Leicester and what he's done at Leicester since he's been there, many people touted him as a potential manager for Chelsea even though it doesn't look like he's going to go and as a yeah. manager for he seems to be the manager when Arteta's job was under threat get Brendan Rodgers when Frank yeah. Lampard's job was under threat get Brendan Rodgers I mean how integral is Brendan Rodgers to Leicester's successes really we've talked about the tactical savviness he's shown we've talked about the brilliant recruitment but even aside you know they've got a very good squad of players but this success it feels different to the one with Ranieri. I think with Ranieri there, no, it felt I agree, like yeah. he was riding a momentous wave. I agree. And in the second season, it showed that it didn't necessarily it, have the legs. The wheels fell off a bit, didn't yeah. they? Yeah. This doesn't feel like the wheels are going to fall off. It feels like yeah. the wheels no, are... I, I completely yeah. agree. And I think that they're building in the long long term with their recruitment. And I'd be interested to know just how much of an influence Rogers has on the recruitment. Is That's something that I'd be interested to know uh, behind the scenes. Because one criticism of Rodgers was the recruitment at Liverpool. Mm, Benteke. Uh, Benteke, Ricky Lambert, <laughs> to name a couple. Balotelli, I think, was under him as well. Mario. Uh, so so that, that's one thing I'd be interested in because it, it almost seems like he, if he's not in charge, then it's like a match made in heaven. He mm. can have the influence on the pitch with his tactical nows, but the recruitment is done separately and they will find players that will suit his style. Yeah, and they've got a, a, a why mess with something that's broken because they've got the key people in charge to make brilliant decisions on the transfer market because, as you say, if you, as you've listed off, they've done it for yeah. a number of years for a number of different coaches and it just so happens that everything was in place for something really good to happen and with the right manager, they can, they can very potentially get crash the top six for a, for a sustained period and it yeah. looks like... They have the potential to do that just now. I don't know why my yeah. voice went so high. Well, I'm I'm really interested in the game on Wednesday. Actually, as I say, title title six point. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure all eyes will be on uh, the match when when Leicester play Goodison Park. 
Okay, so we're going to go on to final topic now, usual foreign uh, football roundup, and a bit of a focus this time on La Liga, which I think is really interesting. I mean, the whole of Europe is really interesting. My personal interest in, uh, my personal interest in overseas football is actually on Serie A, where I think it's fascinating. I've got a big Conte love, and at the, but at the same time, I've got a big love for... Milan's efforts this season. However, that's for yeah. another time. We'll we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that maybe a bit later. But the main focus this week being on La Liga, which is another really interesting title race. Well, it's not an interesting title race actually. It's just a collapse of two Spanish giants. Somewhat. I mean, it has potential to be a, an interesting title race. Mm, it does. You're relying bit. on Atleti to slip up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Atletico have been fantastic many times. They're the best of the rest in La Liga this season. You've sensed there's been a bit of fall from grace from Barcelona, from Real Madrid. Yeah. I think that's been quite clear for any anyone but to see. Atleti have capitalised on that. Absolutely. And I always think with Atletico Madrid, they're, they're a club that a lot of Spaniards will tell you they don't like them. They don't no. like them because the brand of football is very un-Spanish. You know, Spain is very uh, much... Uh, very much about passing football, playing out from the yeah. back, entertaining the fans. Diego Simeone is very much the opposite. Yeah, a lot of that's banned from... The, the European Championship and the World Cup wins. Uh, and Pep Guardiola. Uh, and, and I was going to say, yeah, Pep Guardiola. And 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 having said that, just the Barcelona teams of the, the 2000s and 2010s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. And uh, that's generally, as we say, and, and, and even as a, as, as a stereotyping, even even as a as an overseas viewer, you think, when you thought about the Premier League, pace, power, physical, when you think of La Liga, technical, tactical, yeah. I think that's kind of what, what you looked at. And Italy, de- de- defensive. Simeone, he's almost the, the, the bad guy, isn't he? He's the, the character, the evil, the evil man that's against the good football. That's but- you? <laughs> that you're is the evil me. man. Well, yeah. I'm a massive Simeone fan, so it is. Yeah, yeah. You're the evil man. No, um, I, I completely agree. He's the... He's the, he's the, he's the the opposition to the norm, to the state, to the status quo. He does things in Simeone's way, and it, 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 I, I really like it as a Burnley fan. I can appreciate someone who doesn't necessarily go against the grain <laughs> with his football. No, I can. What's interesting with Simeone is he's been at this club for a very long period of time, and he's yeah. played in a very unstatus quo way. Quite defensive, quite negative, quite hard to watch at times from a neutral point of view. Yeah, no, it can be, but. He's built an identity with the fans. I mean, some Atletico fans don't like him. Some no, some Burnley fans, some, uh, most Burnley fans love Sean Dyche, but some don't like the way Burnley plays. Some people don't. You're always going to get opposition when you play like well, that. Well, that's the, that's the big thing as well, is that yeah. I think other fans would say, oh, I wouldn't want Dyche. Yeah. And a lot of fans, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, spot on. But I think he's built a culture at Atletico Madrid, built on hard work, graft, Dying for the calls, leaving no no blade of grass unturned on that football field, and but it's it's not just that, is it? Because there's also an element of of, of really good football, and there's some really good footballers playing for Atleti at the minute. Yeah, I mean, uh, Atletico won three one against Valencia this weekend to extend their lead at the top of La Liga, and they've got games in hand as well. By the way, yeah, but Luis Suarez, Luis Suarez's goal was brilliant they passed yeah. it out around from the back in an almost Barcelona fashion and then they played a quick direct ball over the top in a, 
it was it was a clever direct ball because I think they enticed the Valencia players in while they were trying to play short passes at the back, and then they broke. They sprung clear. Neat ball, I think, from Jao Felix into Suarez. Suarez was, with yeah. a cute finish, and it was it was brilliant. I, I, it was very, as you say, it, the, the football that Simeone plays. You wouldn't necessarily expect that, so they're more than just a one trick pony. I think, Absolutely. in that sense. And what they've done actually is they've they, they've shifted it up a bit because we've been used to Simeone teams playing your four four two, two holding a double pivot, two sixes, and which is essentially a back six because you've got the two defensive midfielders, a back eight almost because. The, the four midfielders are really back on the toes of the defenders. The two forwards come back. In fact, it's just a back 11 sometimes. It's very difficult yeah. to break well, down. Well, there's been times, hasn't there, where Marcus Lorenti has been yeah. playing as the number 10, effectively, when he's been a holding midfielder most of his career. Yeah. And I mean, he's he's really flourished in the past couple of seasons, actually. Uh, obviously yeah. scored the goal against Liverpool, the vital goal. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that kind of sums up how Simeone wants him to play. The fact that he's put in a defensive midfielder mm. as mm. a number 10 Yes, but they've shifted it up a bit. They've played a back three at times this season. It gives the, I mean, Kieran Trippier has five assists for them and I think he's he's, he's not playing right now. <laughs> Don't bet, kids. But he is, <laughs> he is, he is doing, it does, that kind of system does allow for a bit more tactical flexibility because it allows a bit more freedom for all those people playing at wing back. Sometimes it's Carrasco. I think it was Carrasco against Valencia and it allows them a yeah. bit more impetus to get forward and shakes it up a little bit because I think, when I watched them in that four four two, at times, there were times, particularly in seasons gone by, where they were they were drawing games nil nil too many of them. Just looked you a know, bit stale, didn't it? it? Did sometimes. I when, mean, there's still a time and there's a place of, for it. It but. was ten men and Griezmann at one point, yeah, where yeah. it was just let's hope Griezmann can do something. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bit like that with Jao Felix in many ways, but what we no, get yeah. with Jao. But but Jao Felix, as I as I put in the notes, is a square peg in a round hole, but he's a beautiful square peg. Because he is, he is a stunning who, square he's a, peg. He's a stunning square peg because he can take on two, three players and make make magic happen. And Simeone, he's someone actually, who, yeah, well, there was a lot of criticism last last season, wasn't there, towards not just Charles Felix but the recruitment process that had, had led to him going to yeah. Atleti. Yeah. Whereas this season, he's he's flourished and he's, I think he's got six goals so far this season. Yeah. But he's in and assists. out of the side because he's not a Simeone player by definition in, because yeah. he's more of a flair player. I mean, you certainly see him at somewhere like Manchester City. We're probably wax, waxing lyrically about him as one of the best in Europe. We see him at yeah. Atletico. Yeah, we see him as a game changer. But then often he gets taken off on the 60th minute for someone who's a bit more workmanlike. It just yeah. That's just the way it is. I look at that transfer and he's done really well for them this season, by the way. And as many Atletico fans will tell you he's been the difference in some tight games because yeah. of what he offers and, I, and people have questioned his decision-making to join Atleti, but I think that that's something that is going to benefit him in the long run massively. Mm. Just yeah. just playing under Simeone, I mean, Simeone's managed some of the best drags in the world. Mm. Just just playing under him and, and in that side is going to benefit him in the long run. And I mean, no. we, could see him, we could see him make a move in the next season or two. Tough enough. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah well, he's, yeah. he scored. He scored from a corner, which is something I wouldn't have expected from him when no, he was no. at Benfica. Almost Conte-esque, isn't it, Simeone, with his strikers? I mean, if you're a striker for Antonio Conte, it's a bit similar in the sense that you're expected to work, 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 work. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 Rihanna. Yeah, I know. I was going to say I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't uh, referring to that <laughs> song, so I'm not putting that in my uh, copyright notes. But I do think, yeah, it, it, he's this type of manager like like Simeone Conte, he works you really, really hard. And if you can get through and succeed under him and you've got technical talents, then 
I think that's going to benefit you when you do join a technical manager because you're going to have a different mindset. Yeah, you're going no, to want definitely. to work hard. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think um, it's their year as well? Just on the on the on the La Liga front. Well, for La Liga, yeah. yeah. Well, they're, they're seven points clear with the game in hand. Yeah, and it's quite, quite prominent. Yeah, it's quite prominent, and they've only lost one game, and they've only conceded eight goals in eighteen matches. It's not bad. Is I it? think that that that's as I think it was Sir Alex Ferguson once said. You, you win titles on a good defence and that's what they're going to do, I think. Now, mm. I also think they might challenge for the Champions League. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's maybe one that's... for another day. No, it probably there are, is. There are yeah. obviously more teams in La Liga. Uh, mm. More games this weekend. Barcelona with no Messi yeah. beating yeah. Elche 2-0. Yeah, well, Red, um, they're now in third and, you know, Frankie de Jong is a player who, who moved for a lot of money, actually, in just a couple of years ago. It's not quite worked out for him Completely, but he's improving a little bit this season. As people have noted, when he gets forward, he can offer a little bit in the in the well, attack. He's trying to be he... more box to box, isn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at Ajax, that's kind of something that he did a little bit more at Barcelona. I think he even said at Ajax he was playing almost the tikka attacker that Barcelona were renowned for. And when he went to Barcelona, Should they be were playing, yeah, they, they weren't doing that. And it was like he was moving, players weren't moving. He was passing, players weren't moving. It was very hard for him to adjust. And you know, when but when it. <laughs> It's they, they win two 0 Obviously, a phenomenal player. I, I do note as well they played with uh, Rothway, Dembele, and uh, Griezmann. Uh, front yeah. three that's not played too many times. And Griezmann played actually in the centre. Griezmann's been left wing, which is laughable when you think of Barcelona's recruitment policy to buy him for a hundred million pounds and then play him out of position. It's yeah. it's absolutely mad. But opportunity with no Messi and Fatty injured to see three players. Uh, Braithwaite again not necessarily someone you, you'd have associated with Barcelona but oh, the no. other two I mean that was a weird transfer wasn't it I mean the other two you'd say yeah you could see that kind of but they've fallen no absolutely yeah. they've fallen under Dembele really especially. it's yeah, good they've... to see Dembele playing again Six. that's six starts now for him in 2021 uh, after a really difficult period over the last couple of seasons some really bad injuries so it's good to see that he's he's getting back into the team Oh no, it is, and because I remember when Owen Hargreaves said when he was at Dortmund, he was a Ballon d'Or contender. And, yeah. and it- well, there was actually a game that I, for some reason I watched. It. I think I was bored over the summer, and it was Dortmund against Man United, and it was a pre-season game. Mm. And Dembele absolutely lit the game up. And I know it's only pre-season, but sometimes you can just watch a player, and they've just got something about them, and he does. Mm. All right, Sir Alex Ferguson. <laughs> um, so we, I mean, yeah, no, we note that, and they're third yeah, now. Just the, way, the way he runs, he runs with his knees. So. He runs with his knees. Yeah. Very good, very good. He looks like a footballer, like Michael Owen said. Um, <laughs> so no, it's one of it, yeah. I mean, Barcelona's now third. Crisis, what crisis? Still a bit of a crisis. Barcelona don't like being third, but considering where they were, I actually think that's quite an achievement just to be back in the top four yeah. of La Liga. Fair play, Ronald. I don't think, yeah, why not? Certainly, far more Ronald Koeman than Ronald McDonald now. He's actually you know taking back the same control of a little bit there i mean even though it seems a bit churlish to say barcelona are doing well being in third given what the crisis was at the start of the season messi wanting to leave messi now suspended yeah. fatty doing well fatty then gets injured lots of players just a bit shell-shocked still from the 8-2 by and I think he's done okay i don't think it's the long-term answer but i think he's done okay i mean real madrid's right. the same you know they yeah. zidane I don't know why he went back because he had no, he'd done really well. God, I mean, they won four one over Alaves. I can see why they weekend. wanted him back, but I can't really see why he he wanted to go back. Yeah, yeah. 
in Benzema with two goals, Hazard with one, Casemiro with one, as I say, with 4-1 over Alaves. Uh, but the big story, really, of the past of recent times has been that they lost 2-1 uh, in Spanish Cup to Atletico Bilbao and they lost 2-1 in the Copa del Rey to Alotheano of the third tier and it's wow I mean when he when they lost that cup tie to the Minnows in Spain he was laughing a little bit on the sideline as though to say I can't believe it's come to this and yeah, almost I should myself on well, you see the ruthlessness of Chelsea. Uh, obviously, at Real Madrid, they're also quite ruthless uh, with, with sacking managers. Well, all, They've kept with him. Well, the issue is, I think, and I, I don't know how true this is, but the rumours are that he, if they sack him, they will have to pay him an absolute fortune. Yeah. It's like, never scared tens, them before, though, has tens it? Tens of millions of pounds, though. Mm. Well, no. And I think if the results do go bad enough, then they, they will sack him. But Well, they, they did win La Liga last year, in fairness. And... I do think that, that and he's got that, he's got an all right track record, hasn't he? He does, he does, he does. He's done very well in the past before then. I mean, you look at the squad now, and I think there's so many nearly players line. almost. There's a lot of players with potential, not a lot of substance. Sergio Ramos is still the best defender at the football club in centre back. They're relying so much on the kind of the old guard. Modric mm. still playing at Ramos. What, is he 34 now? Yeah. Ramos, did you say? Benzema is still the, the main provider of goals. Tony Cruz. Tony Cruz as well, yeah. yeah. They almost need uh, a complete regeneration, don't they? Yeah, I mean, they've got... Uh, Hazard's coming, it's not really worked out. We did score this weekend. Got an assist. Yep. Got an I'm assist. So, so it's mainly injuries, isn't it, with Hazard more than anything yeah, else, I think. That's been the issue. That's been the issue. And then you've got Furlan Mendy, who is the best player in the world on FIFA. But in real life, you know, he is, yeah, apparently, much to my disdain. He is a, you know, actually, when I, I've watched him quite a few times, I actually think he's a very good player. But he'll want to take it onto the next level, building a level of performance in almost homage to someone like Marcelo, who was, for many years was an amazing left back. He wants to keep that up. And there's a lot of players like that. Varane, phenomenal defender, but in the shadow of Ramos. There's a lot in the shadows of different players yeah. and it's about getting up them up to that next stage and I mean I mean I was going to say we'll, we'll, we'll we might as well just leave this on La Liga to be fair because I think we've dedicated a lot of time on this and if you want to find out more European results go to transfernewscentral.com uh, yes. or, or oh, the Twitter or the Twitter feed or any good sporting retailer that offers results um, but we'll just focus on La Liga right now and I'll just say with Real Madrid they often are linked with a superstar. They haven't signed. Well, they signed Hazard. Hasn't really worked out. If they go for a superstar this summer, just briefly, who do you think it should be and maybe why? I think there's two. There's two big, big names. No, in fact, yeah. No, two two big names I think would secure long-term success for Real Madrid, and that is Mbappe and Erling Haaland. I think that Mbappe is the safer bet, and I think that he he almost kind of suits. You can picture him, can't you, in that all white kit? It, it's just something about him that's that suits Real Madrid. Now you could also see them going for one of Mo Salah or Sadio Mane. Yeah, I think that that's something that could happen. Yeah, I think they need something to. Sp- I mean, Gareth Bale's a lost cause, so they kind of need someone to replace him on that side. And yeah. Yeah, they've got lots of. Uh, Got lots of young talents. Rodrigo, Asensio can fill in on, on the on the flanks. Very yeah. young, excited players. But I think they need a superstar. Got Vinicius just as well, who's yeah, Vinicius. quite good. But they could do with a superstar just to give morale a boost and, and, and someone the players can look to, younger players, and say, actually, yeah. this is who I'm going to mould my game off. Yeah. Yeah. That's okay. why I say Mbappe, because I think he's someone that they could build around. 
No, fantastic. And he can also play on right, left or strike. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, fantastic. Well, yeah, that rounds off uh, episode two under the Big Heads Media corpor- uh, Corporation organisation, whatever you want to call it. Please listen to us on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts and all good podcasting retailers. There are yes. quite a lot out there. And I don't know them all off by heart, but I'm sure, I, I mean, I prefer Spotify if you want to stick with Spotify. That's Spotify, yeah. yeah. Stick us in while you go for a run. That's what I do. Right. Listen to the, the calming influence of our, our northern voices. Yes, yes. I mean, yeah, fantastic. What a what a wonderful incentive. Go for a run or just do it in do it in the car. Do it while you're having a brew or a beer. I don't mind. We're versatile. We have we satisfy lots of different needs. Until next time, we'll have a wonderful week and we'll be back with four more wonderful topics, including a look at the Premier League and one of our European divisions. So from me and Jordan, it's a bye-bye and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Bye, everyone.